Love Talk Radio. Gloria and I wrote this back in 1963. Back when your mom and daddy were just courting, right? Just courting. Yeah, right.
because if it had not been for you we would not be here we opened our eyes this morning God because you gave us the strength to open our eyes we were able to rise because you gave us strength and our limbs and the facilities of our body we were able to get here God because you blessed us and brought us the way of safety and did not allow harm to come to us Lord we're grateful to again come into your presence because we know where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty and as we come before you today have your way Lord let flesh be crucified that you might be glorified that your people might be edified in the name of Jesus for God in you is life and that's what we seek, God, life, eternal life, God. And we pray, oh God, today that you will touch every person that has come seeking you, Lord. Bind the hand of the devil, God. Rebuke the hand of the enemy, Lord. God, let your anointing that resonates in this place even now. God, let there be an outpouring on your people. We need you, God, to take us to another level in you, Lord. God, we're faced with demonic forces, God. Evil spirits have come up against us, Lord, and we need to be fortified with your power. God, we can't make it on our own strength, God. We don't have enough to stand on, Lord. But we know, God, that your joy is our strength. Fill us up on today in the name of Jesus. Somebody have come this morning burdened down, God, with the issues of life, God. Somebody, God, is in the battle of their life. Somebody's God, fighting in their mind and in their spirit, Lord, where the devil have come in to war against them, Lord. But we we thank you, God, because we know greater are you that's within us uh, than he that is within this world, God. Uh, we know, God, that you are a deliverer, Lord, uh, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, and you're no short of your promise, Lord, uh, and you're able to deliver us, Lord. Uh, touch us on today, Lord. Uh, we need you like never before. Uh, fill us up with the Holy Ghost, God, uh, and give us a refilling, Lord, uh, that when we leave here today, Lord, huh? we can leave with your anointing, Lord, huh? 
that as we meet men and women, boys and girls, uh, they might be converted to know who you are, Lord. Uh, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Uh, we thank you because you are a healer. Uh, you're the God that healeth thee. Uh, and healing is in your wings. Uh, and you're able to touch our feeble bodies. Uh, you're able to save our troubled souls. Uh, and in the name of Jesus, uh, bind every demon, Lord. Uh, every demonic force, Lord. Uh, God that comes to keep us uh, in the same place, Lord. Uh, we're willing, God, to surrender uh, and say yes to your will, Lord. Uh, we're willing to turn our lives, God, uh, over into your hands, Lord. Uh, because we come to the place, God, uh, where we realize like never before, uh, we need you, Jesus. Uh, more than anything we know, uh, we need you, Jesus. Uh, while men are trying to find, God, uh, solutions to this chaotic world, God, uh, we're looking to you, Lord. Uh, because we know for every right desire, uh, there is an answer. Uh, and Jesus, you're that answer. Uh, there's no need for us, God, uh, to turn hither or thither, Lord. Uh, we need but to look for you, Lord. Uh, because you're the answer, God, uh, for our troubled lives, Lord. Uh, touch on the day, God. Uh, break every yoke, oh God. Uh, save on the day, God. Uh, deliver on the day, God. Uh, Jesus, we need you, Lord. Uh, we need you, Jesus. Uh, we need you, Jesus. We're crying out to you, Lord. We know that you're able to save our souls. We know that you're able, God, to heal our bodies, Jesus. We know that you're able, God, to turn our situations around. Jesus, no other help we know. No other help we know. No other help we know, God. You're able, Jesus, to deliver our children. You're able, Jesus, to save the unsaved husband. You're able, Jesus, to heal the cancer patient. Nothing too hard for you, Jesus. No other God we know. We know that you're able, Jesus. We know that you're able, Jesus. We say yes to your will, God. Yes to your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. And we'll thank you for it. And we'll give your name the praise. And we'll bless you, Lord. Yes, we thank you, Lord. And we bless your holy name. Come on, open your mouth up and give the Lord some praise. I went home and I was addicted to weed, addicted to porn, addicted to women, addicted to sex, just anything to literally get out of this feeling until actually I had a dream. In the dream, I'm in an interrogation room and I'm with Jesus on the other side and he lays out in front of me these seven crystals and it was everything that I had ever felt, anything that I had ever did or every wrong against me or everything, literally every, my whole life from when I was born to the age of 21. As he goes, he crushes every single crystal and it all turns to dust on his table and I'm just like, and I'm not scared, but I'm just like, I could just feel the power and the glory, like just the light in him. And he reaches his hand out to me and he's just like this. And I'm like, okay. Welcome, Kirsten. We are so excited to have you here sharing your testimony with Delafe. For the people who may not know you, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Kirsten Searcy. I'm 23. I'm from Hagerstown, Maryland, and I'm excited to share my testimony with you guys. Kirsten, can you tell us about your life before Jesus, starting with your childhood? Yeah, so as a child, um, I grew up in a two-parent household. Um, more of my mother there um, instead of my dad. My dad was always at work um, supporting us and 
giving us a roof, he would say, over our heads um, instead of actually being a, a dad. Um, I grew up with two brothers, and um, it was it was great. I actually had a pretty dope childhood, honestly. Um, we would go on adventures and stuff like that. We play, we all played sports, so we would always be somewhere else on the weekends or whatever. Um, but growing up, we also had the obligation of being at church, so we would go to church on Sundays and just sit there and not know what's going on. It was like an hour obligation. Um, and so I always knew the parts of like the little like services where I would be like, all right, I know after the communion, like it's only like five minutes and then we could do because I'm ready to go home. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't like this. But it was always heard about God there. Um, never at home. Um, my dad was like Mormon. I think, he, he, more, yeah, I think he was Mormon. Um, my mom was just a non-practicing Catholic woman. So I never grew up with, like, a praying mom or, like, a praying dad or, like, a praying family. We were just more blue-collar. We go to work, or they go to work. Um, I go to school. I'm playing sports. I'm having fun. I'm having, I have a lot of friends. So growing up was pretty actually fun. Like, I didn't have a traumatizing childhood. I had a pretty fun childhood. I um, met a lot of people through sports, through a lot of teams. I've been a lot of places, a lot of states. So, Kirsten, um, what was it like growing up um, without the foundation of God and even having your dad not in the house all the time? I want to say now that it could have shaped me into a whole different person, um, but not knowing and being ignorant, I didn't have any other, like, choice. I didn't know. I feel like it could have been pivotal in my life, honestly, to to learn about God, to learn about Jesus. It could have steered me into a whole different direction that I actually went in. Um, my dad not being in the home, I feel like it really made me kind of reject and resentment because I didn't get what I needed from my father. Um, I didn't get the correct love. I got like things, like material things. I got new shoes, new clothes for, for school, and I got new material things. I got money for the weekend for my with, to go with my friends, but I never got like that listening father, like that father that was like, we're going to pray or we're going to we're just going to do so we're going to instill certain things in you it was always just i'm going to give you this and that's it but he was also abusive too so it was like whenever i did see him it was more of him laying his hands on me because i wasn't doing this or i wasn't doing that so i always resented him and i always had an attitude towards him because i'm like well you're never here how are you going to tell me i'm doing wrong so it Growing up, even as a teenager, you know teenagers, like, I hate my parents and blah, 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 blah. I was like that. But I didn't have the privilege of, like, having a great relationship with my dad. And he later then passed away when I was 16. Um, so it brought a lot of guilt. So, Kirsten, I know a little bit about your testimony and mm -hmm. how you actually left the LGBT community. Yes. Can you tell me how you even got involved with that? Were there Was there an experience as you were getting older that kind of made you turn in that direction? And can you tell us a little bit about what that looked like for you? So when I was about four or five, I actually had like a sexual experience with another child. Now that I know what it is, it was child-on-child -child abuse. I did not know this at the time. Clearly, I was four or five years old. But I was open, like my sexual organs were awakened at a very, very young age. So I was going through middle, or sorry, elementary school, like experiencing things like, ooh, like that felt good. Like I kind of want to know more about it. I was that kid in, middle, in elementary school that knew about sex. I knew about it because I was introduced to it. I would go home. It was on the TV. Like I knew, like I could hear my parents. You know, I just kind of put it all together. Um at a young age, and other kids were talking about it, too. So in about 
third grade. So how are you in third grade? Probably like eight or nine, eight or nine years old. Um, I kissed a girl for the first time, and it wasn't like a playing. Like we're playing house. No, it was like, it was like okay, I like this. And so from there, even being more with the boys and rejected by the boys because I was like them. They saw me as like a homie instead of like, oh, hey, like, oh, she's cute or whatever, you know, for who I really was. So I kind of steered away from the boys. And since I wasn't getting what I needed from my dad, I was resenting boys altogether. So in about sixth grade, cut my hair all off just like a boy. I don't even know why. I couldn't even tell you why I wanted to do it. But it was just like, this, I just want to change what I look like. I want to change who I am. So, can you tell us a little bit about how it felt? You say that you were rejected by the guys. What mm-hmm. did that look like? Did they say something to you? Did they, you know, was there something that happened? Or why did you feel rejected? So, going into middle school, I always got bullied because uh, I had a flat chest or I had no butt or because I was always so athletic that they didn't see me as, like, somebody that they would want to date, you know. And at that age, it's just, like, you want to fit in. You want to, like, be popular and all that and all those things. So, I was outcasted pretty much and they like the girly girls they like the girls that do the makeup and wear like the little tight stuff that was never me so I kind of quit that and I was like dang okay like I'm not good enough or I'm not cute enough and I, I don't I was like okay I don't like who I am so I internalized all of that I internalized the bullying I internalized the rejection and I internalized the in- insecurity that it was brewing inside of me so I was like I'm just going to change my whole identity. So I then changed my clothes and I came in the next year with a whole haircut and different clothes and everybody's like, what is that? Like, what is going on? And then I was like, I like girls. That was how I was like, I like girls. I shut down that part of me that even knew that I liked boys because I, I did like boys and I just quieted it. Going through middle school, I'm trying to cultivate this whole identity that I don't even really know what I'm doing. And then I'm introduced to other women or other girls um, that are in middle school that like women. And so they're teaching me what to do. They're telling me how to do this, how to talk to girls, what to do, what to do. And so I had my first sexual encounter at the age of 12. And I started smoking weed, hanging out with these people that are that are older than me, um, girls in high school. Like It was like ninth grade. I was in eighth grade. And they were telling me about their sexual encounters with girls. So on my basketball team, I play AAU basketball, which is summer basketball, every year from eighth grade to twelfth grade. And so there was a lot of girls that like girls. So And there's a culture. There's literally a culture of gay basketball players. And so I was sleeping with girls on my team. I was kissing girls on my team. We were all doing things in secret. We were having orgies. Like, it was just, like that's what we did when we had sleepovers. We would go to different states for tournaments. And it would just be nasty. And Kirsten, at any point, did you ever feel like this is wrong or God doesn't like this? Or did you have any concept of of God in those moments? I really didn't because I didn't know who God was. But I knew that it was wrong. I knew that it was wrong because I'm like, I'm going against my natural, like, feeling. Right? So I was always like, I know I like boys. But I'm forcing myself. This is forcing. I'm forcing. I'm learning this behavior. I'm learning this because I'm influenced by other people. But it's like I'm hiding that that rejection. But I knew it was wrong. And my grandparents would always tell me I was going to hell. And I'm like, okay, like I'm going. I'm going to hell. Amen. Like I, I didn't know. I didn't care. Like it wasn't like okay. I don't even know what. Like what is hell for real? I wasn't scared of it. It honestly became more blatant 
I was more open and I was like, this is who I am, you accept it or I don't. And at that point, I had already had an attitude problem, so I didn't care what anybody else thought of me. So I'm like, this is who I am, you're either going to accept it or you're not. I'm going through high school and I'm trying to fit in. I'm trying to tell, I'm just really trying to fit in with my basketball team and, and the girls there. I went to a Catholic high school and I was like that girl that was gay in the Catholic high school. And I'm, but I'm, I'm not even realizing that I'm pulling other people into this lifestyle. Like it was a competition. It was almost like a competition of how many straight girls can you pull into this? You know what I'm saying? So it was like, I boasted in that. I boasted in what I looked like because I was always told, like, oh, you're so cute and blah, 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 all this stuff. So I boasted it in my outside appearance the whole time, and the inside I'm breaking. But I, I just know that I like boys. So I picked up this masturbation. I picked up this pornography in, in secret. But it was like, I'm gay. I'm portraying this gayness to the world. I'm a lesbian, blah, 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 gay pride, all this stuff. Be who you want to be. Love is love. The whole time I'm in the room masturbating to straight porn. That doesn't even add up. I'm going through all these identity issues. I'm not getting love from my father. I'm not even understanding how I'm supposed to be with the boy. Or boys don't want to talk to me. Okay, I'm just going to steer myself. Literally, I'm making decisions on how other people perceive me or I'm making decisions on how other people treat me or what I'm not getting. So I'm literally moving and creating this identity, this person who is not even real, like just based on hurt and just insecurity, really. Um, when I was 16 was a pivotal moment where my life changed, I want to say, like, forever. Um, my dad passed away unexpectedly, and the last time I even saw my father was in a casket at the age of 16, and I'm the oldest of four at this point. Um, and that broke me. That actually caused me to be even more numb than I already was. Um, I didn't know who I was anyway, but then to take a hit like that and to know that something that, just like fell out of my heart that it didn't really I couldn't perceive it I didn't understand it I didn't know what was going on so like losing a parent was hard for me because I'm like okay I already know I didn't have a relationship with him I said so many things that I wish I could have take back I wish I could have did this I wish I could have did that and it hurt me but I was always so unforgiving of him and re- like resentful to him because I was like you didn't give me what I needed when I needed it like you really could have steered my life and I hold it from way. And I've had to deal with that unforgiveness, and the Lord has helped me. But to not have a father is is hard, especially as a girl, because it's like, how do I, what do I look for a man? How do I love a man? How does a man supposed to love me? So even the little boys at school, really, it hurt, but it was like, we all go through that. Like, we're bullied. We're, it's like kids are mean. Kids are, who cares? They don't know who they are either. But to get that at home first and then go out and be confident and be me no matter what, like, it really stared me. So, like, I made this persona out of numbness, out of lack. Um, and it hurt. It hurt really bad. So then to see him laying in a casket at the age of 16, it's already broken. It's already don't know what's going on. Um, that that hit me deep. That hit me deep. That led me to so into so many other things. Um, just the hit that my family took. Seeing my mom like not want to get out of bed or just just traumatized me. Uh, it traumatized me. It gives me like chills because 
just it felt like emptiness, emptiness in our home, emptiness in our relationships, emptiness just in us. And so I remember actually one night, um, right after my dad had passed, I think it was only a few days that I I walked out of my room and I walked upstairs. All the lights are off. Everybody's in their room, and I was just like, it just felt so empty. It literally felt like it was cold. And um. I went to go hug my mom, and she just was, like, just broken, just empty. So I went to go hug her and just ask if she was okay. Um, I was like, I don't know what this looks like for us. I don't know where we're supposed to go from here. But, like, I love you, and I don't want to lose you either. So I went back downstairs, and I realized that this is where lesbianism in my coping was in women. So I texted this girl, and I was like, hey, can you come over? Like, I'm really struggling right now. Like, I just want somebody to just lay with me. And this breaks me, this breaks me so much. Um, she came over. I let her in through the back door or whatever. She was in my bed. And my mom comes to the door, and she just knocks, and she's like, hey, can I come lay with you? And I was like, somebody in my bed. Um... Sorry. And it was like I just like chose that um like over comforting my mom, like helping her when I knew that she was low, but I was like, I don't I don't know, like this is awkward in the first place, this is weird. I'm trying to cope in my way and she's trying to come to me. It really hurt. Um but I feel like I just I took that and it just created a wound that I just lived from. I just lived from it. So it invited, like, smoking weed, just trying to feel anything that I could just to feel better. So I went through that year, the last year of high school, um, just busy. I played basketball, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try to just forget this, do anything to forget this. So I'm just going to go do what I need to do, finish what I need to finish. Um, and I just picked a random college. And they were like, hey, we like the way you play basketball. Come. And I was like, okay. And I went because I was like, I, I feel like I'm depressed, but I don't really know what's going on. I don't know. I've never been depressed before. I've always been happy and joyful and loud and all of it. So I go to college. Um, I went in with a girlfriend because obviously, like, that is, like, my identity now. People can look at me and literally say, oh, yeah, she's gay. And I was like, I was okay with that um, because I shut down that old version of me actually liking men um, a long time ago. Went into college with a girlfriend. Uh, I ended up cheating on her. I had sex with another girl, um, and that just kept continuing. So I got into a relationship with this with this girl, which um, was honestly traumatizing. It was toxic. It was codependent. I relied on her for a lot of things, which I really shouldn't have. And I was honestly breaking. I was depressed. Uh, I had anxiety. I was having panic attacks, and I was controlling and manipulative and just just a bad person. I was an ugly person um, living from this wound because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if it was from not grieving my dad or, or what it was, like not actually living like for myself, um, like I was trapped. Now, Kirsten, were the people around you encouraging of this lifestyle? Was anyone seeing this darkness you were in or was everyone seeing kind of something different? Oh, everybody was seeing who I was on the outside, whether it was like, oh, yeah, she's cute or whatever. Nobody saw what was actually happening inside until I actually asked for help from a therapist. 
um, when I got to college because I couldn't take it anymore. I felt like I literally, I was suicidal. I was just like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to feel like this anymore. But nobody was around me that was, like, telling me, hey, like, this is wrong. Or nobody was telling me about Jesus. Like, I realized that everything that I was searching for was in Jesus, but I just didn't know. So I went through this pivotal just darkness for, like, the first two or three years of college. And I really was suicidal mostly the whole time uh, I stayed because I was just like, I don't I don't want to die, but I don't want to feel like this. So I had a lot of gay friends. I'm having sex. I'm addicted to sex. I'm addicted, I'm addicted to masturbation. I'm addicted to weed, alcohol, all you can think of literally like outlets, like there's symptoms of something is going on, but I don't, I can't put words to it, but I'm hurting. I'm hurting so bad. But I'm expected to show up and be a good student. I'm still expected to show up and be a good teammate and still be, like, this great student athlete. But I was like, man, my grades are going down. I don't even want to play basketball anymore because I just can't even get out of bed. Like, I don't want to be around anybody. I can't even get up to go to class. Um, it was It was dark. I actually wanted to drop out of college. My mom was like, you're not going anywhere. And I was like, okay, I'm going to finish it. Like, you're paying some? All right. But it wasn't until I went home after college, I graduated, and I was addicted to weed, addicted to porn, addicted to women, addicted to sex, just anything to literally get out of this feeling until, actually, I had a dream. In the dream, I'm in an interrogation room, and I'm with Jesus on the other side, and he lays out in front of me these seven crystals. And I'm just looking at them. But I'm not scared, but I know it's Jesus. Like, I'm just like, I never saw Jesus. I never knew who he was, but I knew that was him on the other side. So I'm just like, but just like the power in him knowing me. I just knew that he could see right through me, like he knew everything about me. And he laid these seven crystals right in front of me. And it was everything that I had ever felt, anything that I had ever did, or every wrong against me, or everything. Literally every, my whole life, from when I was born to the age of 21, I'm just looking at him, and he's looking at me, and I'm just looking at these crystals, and I'm just seeing my whole entire life, which is like a sham to me, because I'm like, I didn't want to end up like this. I didn't want to do any of this stuff. I didn't want to hurt the people that I hurt. I didn't want to damage a lot of people's lives or pull people into this lifestyle, and I'm just looking at all these things. I'm like, oh, my God. My life has been full of pain at this, from this point, a lot of emotional pain, which was covered up by physical things. He, as he goes, he crushes every single crystal, and it all turns to dust on his table. And I'm just like, like, what the, what the heck? And then the dream's over. I wake up. And I was like, I just had a dream with God in it. Like, I've never, I never even remember my dreams before that. I would usually just get high just to go to sleep or drink just to go to sleep. Like, what just happened to me? So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, he just knew everything that I ever did. Like, that was literally my whole life in front of me. And I'm like, yo, what the heck? So I went upstairs, and I went back. I went to the bathroom, and I closed my eyes, and I'm back into the dream. And so I'm back into the interrogation room. He's looking at me, and I'm looking at him. And I'm not scared, but I'm just like, I could just feel the power and the glory, like just the light in him. And he reaches his hand out to me, and he's just like this. Okay, and I just grab his hand, and then I, I, in the dream, or like the, I guess the vision at this point is, is over, and so whenever I like open my eyes, my hand is up in the air like this, and then I just start crying, but I was like a cry from the soul, like everything was, just, I like I was being freed, like it was like, oh my God, I was just crying, like I was just in awe and just like, 
just undone in this bathroom. And so I get up. I'm like, oh my god. But I didn't give my life to Christ then because I didn't know what to do. I had this, I had this, this encounter, and I knew God touched me. But I was like, I don't know what to do. So I walked out the bathroom. And I was like, I feel different though. Like I always felt different, but I couldn't put words to it. So I'm still in the world at this point. I'm still looking to like not feel what I'm feeling, you know. So like I was just suicidal the day before. Like what's going on? Why am I, like, why am I like I'm light? Like I'm I'm different. Like I'm like okay, I'm gonna get my life together. So I'm like I'm gonna do a routine. I'm gonna have a routine. I'm gonna have workouts to do. I'm just gonna try to get my mind right. Everything that I knew that I could do, you know. And I'm getting advice from my mom. And so she's like, well, you could do this, you could do that, you could eat eat better, you know. I'm like, okay, amen. So I'm, I'm getting to therapy at this point, and I'm like, all right, I want to get my life together. I'm tired of living like that. I'm tired of, like, just being depressed every single day, just trying to have a warm body just to make me feel better, just to stimulate me, even though I know my soul is crying out for much more. I just don't know what can really satisfy me. I'm, I'm still back in the world. So I'm with my friends. We're going out. We're clubbing still. We're still drinking. We're still smoking. I'm like, this is different. Like, I'm tired of this. Like, I'm getting tired of this life. And so one one day, I was actually high. I was still, I, was, I literally smoked every single day from the time I woke up to the time I went to sleep. And I had, and I had another encounter with God. And so I put on, like, some worship music because I was listening to more. Because I was like, I want to know more of God. Like, I don't know, but I have this urge. Like, I have this yearning to know him. I smoked, I put on this, this vibe, like, this worship music. And I was like, man, I was crying because I felt I finally I felt the presence of God when I was high. It was like my high just went away. I'm sitting, I'm basking in the presence of God, and I'm crying, and I'm like, oh my God, I done did all these drugs, I done smoked all this weed, I drank all I could drink just to feel this. This is what I was looking for, but I didn't know what this really was. So I'm sitting in the presence of God. I'm crying, and I feel this thing on my heart. It's like my heart was being patched up. And I was like, oh, but I couldn't move. I was just stuck in the, like, just stuck in the presence of God. And I'm I'm just bawling and bawling. But I know, like, something is touching my chest. Like, I'm being stitched up. I'm like, oh, my God. So then from there, I'm doing, like, daily devotionals and things to know more God. Because I'm like, what do I do? I didn't even have a Bible. I didn't have nobody telling me, like, oh, we can go to this church or n- nothing. I learned from God himself. So I'm going I'm doing these devotionals. I'm waking up early in the morning just to feel. I want to feel this thing, right? Because I'm moving in, in the realm of emotions. I'm in the, in the realm of feeling. So I'm like, I want to feel that again. So God is like showing up every single day. He's showing up every morning, but He's showing me things that I need to heal from. Which is one one. He, we really started with the death of my father. Everything that had had just come from that. And we didn't start with my sexuality first. He was like, no, just let me love you back to life. Let me love you. Like, let me give you grace. Like, this is what I have done for you. So he's telling me Jesus died for me. Like, and I'm just like, wow. So like through Jesus, like I'm just learning. I'm learning like the, like the basics of the gospel, right? I'm like, wow. So Jesus died for my sins so that I could have life. But I died with him so then I could, like, I'm just like, wow, this is really crazy. This is really crazy. So this whole time, I'm still in the world, right? I'm still smoking, but I'm still looking for God. I'm waking up. I'm like, where's God? Where's God? Where's God? I went on a trip with my friends, and I'm like, y'all, like, I'm really feeling like, I feel this calling, like, I have to go away from y'all. Like, I have to depart from you guys. And they're like, what's up? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, I'm like, I don't know, but God is calling me higher, and I'm really sorry. But, like, I got to go. 
And I was talking to a girl at the time, and I even told her, like, look, I don't know what's going on, but I got to go. Like, God is calling me somewhere, and I don't know, but I just know, and I have to be, I'm just, I'm going to respond, and I'm going to say yes. Like, I don't know what's about to happen, but yes. And so... So, Kirsten, can you clarify, was this, like, instructions you were getting from the Lord, or was this just, like, inner feelings, or how did you know you needed to kind of separate? So, honestly, it was like a desire. Like, my heart was changing. My desires were changing. I I knew that they weren't leading me to the Lord, right? So, as I'm hanging out, as we're talking, as we're smoking, as we're drinking, as we're partying, and I'm like, this is getting old. Like, it wasn't like, you need to tell them you can't be friends with them no more. No, I was like, just... Just let them know, like, look, like, I want God, and I just feel like y'all aren't leading me closer to, to God, right? But it was easy for me because I already had that heart that was like, I don't care what y'all think of me. Like, I already was like, y'all can think whatever y'all want to say. Like, whatever y'all want to say, y'all can say it. It doesn't really, it doesn't affect me. And I already had that, like, that's how I moved anyway. So I, I let them know that. And it wasn't harsh, but it was like, look, y'all not taking me closer to, to God, and I got to go. So... God told me I gotta move at my mama's house, and I was like, "What? What do you mean? I'm only making this much an hour. I don't have. I cannot support myself on this. Like you're, you're tripping. Like I was like, I know this can't be for me because I would have never thought to do that. I was comfortable right where I was at in my mom's house. I looked and found an apartment literally in five minutes. Got it the next day. I was like, Lord, like you know for real. I was like, I gotta come up with the secu- like the security about the first month. My mom was like, Boom, you finished college. Here you go. I'm like, Yo. God is good. Like, I took a step of faith, but I didn't know, you know, like, looking back now, I'm like, I, that was my step of faith. Like, I was moving in faith, but I didn't know. I was just doing what the Lord told me. I get in my apartment. It became a sanctuary. Like, after I moved in, it became, like, the Holy Spirit resided there. I was worshiping literally all the time. Things were being, I was just being cleaned up. I was just, he was just loving on me. And so I, and I was falling in love with him. And I was falling in love with him. My desire started to change. It wasn't like he was being rough about it. It was like he was loving me to the point where he was like, just let me love you to be clean. Like, let me teach you how to be holy. Let me teach you how to be pure. And so I desired those things. But I was always like, Lord, like, I know this is not right at this point because I'm reading the Bible more. I know homosexuality is not right. I'm like, okay, this is not biblical. But, Lord, why do I still feel this way? Why do I still have those desires? Why is that still, like, lodged in me, you know? Like, you're cleaning me up. You're healing me from so many things. I don't smoke anymore. I don't drink anymore. I have a disciplined lifestyle. I fast because he's, like, I'm looking in the Bible and I'm reading, like, oh, I got to fast. Okay. Like, I want to, like, humble myself before the Lord because I love him. I fall in love with him so much. As I'm being clean, I ask the Lord, what about this, like, you know, I'm giving you everything. You can touch everything. You can see everything. You can have whatever you want. Like, I gave it to you. You can see it. You can touch it, change it, whatever. And he's like, we don't have to, we, we not, we're not there yet. We're not to that point yet, right? And I'm just like, okay. I'm just letting him do his thing. I'm sitting in the presence of the Lord. I'm getting what I need, my daily bread, everything like this. But it's like I wasn't in church yet. I hadn't, didn't have anybody around me telling me what to do. And I I read the Bible and one morning I'm like, I don't think I ever gave my life to Christ. So this is literally six months after, right, after that initial dream. And I was like, Lord, let me do this. So I get on my knees, right, and I'm like, Lord Jesus, like, I believe that you lived, that you died, like, that you rose again, like, to give me new life, to forgive me of my sins. Like, I repent. And that was, I actually repented. 
And I was like, you was loving me even though I did not yet repent or even give my life to Christ. Like, you was still loving on me. You still stepped in when I was in nastiness, like, in just, like, ew. Like, I was dirty. And you stepped in and you loved me to be clean. Like, that's just, it was crazy to me. So I give my life to Christ. I get baptized a few months later. And then I got a new job. And I met a girl. And I was like, wow, she's cute. Like, whatever, whatever, whatever. She's she's fun to hang out with and all this stuff. I was like, oh, Lord, I like her. Like, what, what do I do? Like, I like her. Like, I know that you really wouldn't really send me a woman, but, like, why do I feel like this? And so I indulged in it, right? And if I could change it, I would change it. I, I backslid. And so hanging out with this girl all the time, my devotion time starts to get shorter and shorter and shorter. My worship starts to get, like, really, really small. I get quieter and quieter and quieter. And I'm just like, man, I don't feel good. I don't feel like I'm I'm back with the Lord. And I was like, I'm going back and forth with this girl because I'm like, I don't know if I should be doing this, but I like you so much. We're back and forth, literally back to the old toxic habits, back to the same things that I had did before. And so I'm like, but I love you and I want to I wanna date you. And I moved there in my apartment and when that thing turned into hell real quick, it wasn't even a sanctuary anymore. I moved her in, and I was like, but I was breaking on the inside, and I'm turning into this ugly person again because I'm like, I'm not where I need to be, and I knew it, but I still kept doing it, and I was into a point where I was numb, and I was just like, I don't even know how to get back to the Lord. Like, I lost that intimacy. I lost that that feeling like that, that he just loved me so much. I felt like he turned his face for me. So that went on for about seven months that we dated, and I just was breaking and breaking and breaking. And I treated her like crap, and I was just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. At this point, I'm just, like, so numb, and then, and, and, like, doubt started to come in, unbelief. And I just opened the door to so many things. Depression, again, um, I went through a really heavy depression because... I was like, I don't feel the way I used to feel. I don't know what I, like, I know what I did wrong, and I'm living in shame and condemnation. And I'm like, Lord, I'm not even worthy of, like, anything that you want to give me. Like, I know you stepped in and you cleaned me up already, and I feel like I've hurt you. And so I stayed away. I honestly stayed away. I didn't didn't go back because I was like, you know what, like, I don't know how to come back to you. I don't know how to face you. I don't know how to come to a father, right, to ask for forgiveness. I don't know how to... I never had, like, this This is, it's triggering because I never had a dad that I can go to and be like, dad, this is what I'm struggling with. Like, I really need you to help me. I need you to help me through this or walk me through this or teach me what to do. And so I, I really stayed away and that hurt me. Like, I felt like I was empty. Like, I was broken. And up to, honestly, like, a month or two ago, I was finally like, you know what, I'm so such at a low point. Lord, I don't know how to get back to where I was. I don't even have to go back to where I was. I repented and I was like, Father, forgive me for even going astray or step out stepping out under your covering. I was like, I'm sorry, but like I just need you. Like I I don't know what else to do. My soul is crying out for you. Like I am hurting. Like I need you and like I was I was like, I have so much shame and condemnation. I don't know how to come to you. But I was just crying out because I was like, I don't know where else to go. I don't know what else to do. I know that you're the only one that can satisfy me. And I honestly learned a really big lesson for that. But I was able to feel his love and his grace because he was like, you're still my daughter. Like, I still love you. Like, you stepped out, but you came back. And I just, I was like, wow. 
I went up so far off the road, and I just kept going because I felt like I couldn't turn around. Like, I felt like the prodigal son, but it was like I didn't have that aha moment. Like, oh, the service are living better than me. Like, I could go back. Like, I'm a son. I was like, no, nah, like, I don't deserve it. Like, I backslid, and I went back into the same stuff I was just in, and I felt like crap. But I was like, you know what? I have, I have to do it. I have to do it. And so I came back. And I was like, Lord, like, I need I need your grace again. I need your love again. Like, this, you don't even have to, like, I don't have to feel your presence because at that point I moved out of the realm of emotions. Well, I was actually still in the realm of emotions because I was still depressed and all that. But I was like, I don't have to feel you to know that you're here. Like, I'm just declaring things and I'm just asking him, like, please, like, I, I just want to be forgiven. I just want to, I just want to love you again. I just want to know what it is like to be a daughter again. So, Kirsten, even after your fall and then kind of re-igniting um, your relationship with the father, how did he begin to pull you out of that really low place and, and this place where you felt like you didn't belong or you weren't even worthy to come back to him? How did he begin to pull you to the place where you're at right now? Honestly, I asked him, what do I need to do, right? Because I was like, I'll do anything, like just desperately. He was like, just spend time with me. And I'm just like, man, like, you come with such, such like, simple answers. Like, it's just, like, just loving. Like, you have to do this and this and this. No, he's like, just spend time with me. Just an hour in the morning again. Because cause I was off my routine. I stepped away from everything. Working out, just keeping my mind right and everything. And spending time with him. I'm reading his word. I'm getting to know him through his word at this point, right? Because I just knew him by the way I was feeling. And I was like, ah, this is great. But I was spending time just knowing him through his word, his grace. Like, even through stories in the Bible, like Prophet Hosea, how he was supposed to marry, like, or he did marry a prostitute, and she did whatever she did on him, but he still loved her. He still, and I was like, yo, this is how you love me. Like, this is crazy. Like, I could, I'm not saying I would just willingly go sin and come back, but it was like, look, even if you do stumble, you could still come back. So, God never... Or at the beginning, he didn't confront the homosexuality. He Mm-mm. just told you to come spend time with him. Mm-hmm. Was this God affirming your lifestyle? No, 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 no. I feel like he he wanted to, in the secret place, that is where we really dealt with it. So he wasn't like, oh, you can do whatever you want to do. No, like, oh, yeah, love is love. No, he was like, look, just, just come to me. Come to me. It's more simple than you think. Like, just come to me. Give it to me. But I stepped out. I made that decision to go do what I did. If I didn't do that, if I didn't get in a relationship, it probably would have been dealt with in the secret place then. Like, or through all the time that I really, I want to say, wasted in a relationship, it could have been dealt with then, but it was dealt with after. I feel like that was probably on his mind. Like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do this, but you walked away. So now you got to come back and now we're going to, we're going to go over it. Um, And I was actually delivered. So I was delivered from perversion and lust and homosexuality. It was, it, it was awkward. I didn't know like what was really going on, but I was being delivered from these from these demonic spirits. So, um, Kirsten, can you tell me kind of how the Lord has been redeeming your identity now? What is that process? Can you take us into what it even looks like, even in your time, you know, in the secret place, the conversations you've been having with God about uh, your identity and your sexual identity? So, um, He constantly reminds me that I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. 
I'm like, thank you, Lord. So I'm just, I'm kind of going with the flow and letting him mold me into what he wants to mold me into, right? So I'm not the person I used to dress like a boy or like look to a certain way. So he's just changing my desires. He's changing my heart. So it's like, huh, looking at girl things, girls like clothes, right? So like I would always be the one that would go into the boy side, always, always. And so I'm like looking at girls things like, oh, that's cute. Like going to the store like, uh-huh, okay. And then I'm like, Maybe I want to, like, just try what I would look like with makeup, you know? But it's like he's loving me into these things. Like, I'm not like, oh, boom, let me go put on. I never, I'm, that was never me. So he's like, go get your nails painted. Like, just go treat yourself, you know? Go go to the store and look at certain things. And I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. Then I start, like, seeing these men, right? I'm just like, why, who? Like, it just was this weird. Like, I'm, I literally feel like a 12-year-old kid again. Because I'm like, man, I see this man. He's cute. Okay. Interesting. But, like, why am I looking? Like, you know, it's just, like, new to me. So I'm just looking. I'm like, okay. But then I'm, like, thinking about, like, marriage and stuff. Like, just, like, little things that he's introducing to me. Like, hmm. But even just outside of my purpose as well. But just, like, like you, you, you are, like a beautiful woman like he like you are a beautiful woman and so I'm like I want to look like a beautiful woman you know like I don't want to look like how I used to I'm growing I cut my hair for 12 years I have never ever ever really thought of growing my hair out I have long hair now like I'm growing out the sides I always shaved it I want to grow it out because what he's shown me with the visions that he's shown me of what I would look like I'm like I want to look like that like that is who I am he constantly shows me who I am how he sees me and I'm like, that's really how you see me? Like, even though I look like this right now, whatever. Changing the way I dress. Just changing the way I sit. Changing the way I address people. Like, just my speech. And just being more proper instead of, like, you know, our, like, slang. But it's, like, even just being, like, being more proper. Um, being more gentle and kind. Because I was always so rough. I was always with the boys, you know. I was always like a boy. So I was just, like, just being more nurturing. Honestly, he's just changing my, like, literally my whole nature of who I am, who I ever thought I was. Wow. So, Kirsten, what are some of the things that the Lord has called you, and what are some of the maybe labels that he's given you to, to now identify with that's not what you used to? Virtuous, beautiful, um, a daughter that, like, I am loved, I am righteous, like, that I am holy for him, that I am pure in him. Um, to just really that I'm loved. That is really all that I was ever searching for in any relationship, even including my father, um, having to be restored from that, that, that he calls me a daughter because I really never, ever felt like one. So, Kirsten, what words of encouragement do you have for the people who are currently in the process that you're in and maybe frustrated, you know, waiting on the Lord to maybe take the uh, sexual desires away um, for the same sex or might be going through, um, you know, the transforming of their heart? What are some Mm -hmm. words of encouragement for them that may be struggling? Honestly, just to keep seeking Jesus. Because I've, I've been, well, I've been and I am continuously going through fulfilling like the fleshly desires with spiritual things so whenever I felt like oh I want to go have sex I want to talk to this girl or blah 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 I pray and I sit there and I just ask the Lord like I seek the Lord but it's like really falling in love with Jesus because I was not just like oh one day I'm gonna wake up and I'm not gonna be a lesbian anymore no it was like the process of just falling in love with Jesus just keeping your eyes on Jesus because it is way easier than you think way easier 
Kirsten, what would you say to people who feel like they need to be completely straight before they come to Christ? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's a scam. That is a scam because Jesus Christ walked into my life and I was dirty. You don't get clean before you get into the shower. It's not, you don't, no, that doesn't even make sense. No, you get into the shower to get clean. So it's like you come to Christ and he will love you clean, I promise. And we are covered under his blood. We are clean and purified. Do you have any advice for young girls um, like you who are struggling with their sexual identities and may not really know what to do about it? I want to say to, to, to go to their parents, go to people who are in the Lord, who can love them, who can who can tell them, like, hey, this is not right, but to introduce them to Jesus. Honestly, because even being like a, a broken little girl, it's like you don't want to act out your emotions in that type of way because it is a road that leads to death. But to really trust people who love Jesus. Not, I don't want to say don't trust the religious people because I've had my encounters with religious people, but it really pushes you away from God. So honestly, to trust the people who love the Lord for real. Kristen, who is Jesus to you? Uh, he's everything. He is everything to me. He is my savior. He's my father. He's my friend. He's the lover like of my soul. Like. I cannot be anything without, I cannot do anything apart from him. He is everything. Like, he completes me, and I am complete in him. There's nothing else that could fill me, anything else that could lead me to salvation. And, like, he's everything, man. He's everything. Kirsten, do you have any last words for anybody who may be watching? Honestly, fall in love with Jesus. Just Accept Jesus. Learn who Jesus is, and I promise you that you will fall in love with Him. You will. Like, I don't feel. I don't know. I don't know this, but anybody that has encountered Jesus, I don't think they've ever been the same. Right. Honestly, He loves you. He loves you where you are, and He will love you until He, until you are where He wants you to be. Kristen, could you pray for anybody watching who may be struggling with the same thoughts or emotions or even their own struggle with identity? Uh, Can you just pray for them? Yes. Lord God, I ask you to turn these people's hearts to you, Father God, so that they may know you. Because you are so good and you're so loving and you're so gentle and kind, Father God, that you can restore any broken heart. Can restore any broken soul, Father God. So we just ask you to show your love. Go to them, Father. Manifest yourself to them, just like you did me, Lord Jesus, in your own way. Turn the hardened hearts to flesh, Lord Jesus. Create us anew. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Radio not just for your ears, but also for your spirit. Jesus in the morning radio. And you're with Barbara. Wow, what a testimony. What a testimony. And that's just like God. The thing she was explaining is just like what he does, what he will do, what he has done. Yeah. 
in the ending, she had me smiling so hard. Jesus. Yeah. Because of this, what she was saying, I know that was God. And that prayer she prayed. She she been in the word. Yeah. She she have a prayer life and a Bible study life. And this young woman wants to please God, not her flesh. And she don't want to mix it together and just accept it because this is the way that I am. No, God came in and showed her. Yeah. And she said that was real godly people. She said she don't want to use the word religious people, but there are some many. <laughs> but that was godly people, people that you know love God and they love people. They're going to tell you the truth. Yeah. And you can come out of anything. God will bring you out of anything because these people are going to pray for you. You just have to make your decision whether or not it, this is the lifestyle you want or you want to please God or this is the, the what you want to smoke or you want to please God. This is what you want to drink or, or do you want to please God. It, it's your choice. But if you choose to make Jesus your choice, that's the best choice you could ever make. From your heart, a sincere heart, talk to him. Yeah. A lot of people, they try to act like they got God, but even people are hearing what you say, but they're looking at what you're doing. And if what you're doing and what you're saying are two different things in your life. Because your lips must line up with your heart, and your heart must, must line up with your lips. I pray I come back today with a testimony of my own that God give me one. Because I'm not ashamed to talk of his wondrous work, and I'm not ashamed to make known his deeds among the people, what he's done in my life. And most people like good stories. They like a good story. They like to hear about other people's lives. But when will we tell about ours? Are we ashamed or we scared or what is it? Because there are some testimonies you can share without getting too personal, without getting deep in your business, as you call it. I don't have no business. I don't mind belong to God. And after September of 1993, he brought me out. All of my business belonged to him because I don't have any. It's, it's all his. So I can tell you anything I want to tell you about me and feel free and do not care what no one think about it. Yeah, he did it for me. And how you feel, that's up to you. But I've been set free. <laughs> Whom the son set free is free indeed. If any man be in Christ, any man, you don't care if you gay or homosexual, alcoholic or uh, uh, drug abuser a molester, rapist, murderer, any man be in Christ. But the key word was if. Uh, ooh, watch out, Father. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things has become new. If you're in Christ and he's in you, everything new to you because you're no longer desiring to do those old deeds you used to do. You couldn't pay me to go to the club, and I used to be a clubber. <laughs> that was nothing like a Saturday night getting dressed for the club. 
full child, the outfit, you know, that hair, got the nails, the toes, you know, I was ready to perfume, pick special perfumes out to wear because I was going to the club. I wasn't going to have many drinks but I was because I had to drive myself home. But I was going to have a drink and I was going to dance all night long. <laughs> Took the desire of clubbing from me. Come out from among them and be separated. A house party. Oh, I go to a house party and be the life of the party and shut the party down. <laughs> Come out from among them and be separated. I'll be your God. You'll be my daughter. Huh? That's, that's not the ways of God, daughter. Party. Getting high, getting drunk. Letting a man are married to. Committing adultery. That, that wasn't God's daughter. That was Jezebel's daughter. But he made me his daughter. And I no longer had to have nothing to cope with lies. No drink, no drug, no weed, no nothing to cope with lies. Because my life was now hid in him. I was in him, <laughs> the savior of the world. So I no longer had to worry about these worldly things, what people thought about me. I dressed the way I dressed to please me. I thought it was cute. Yeah, the long flowing maxi dresses and skirts. It wasn't for fashion. It's what made me feel comfortable. Because I had been before with Daisy Duke, way before Daisy thought about, you know, duking it. <laughs> I had been with the Daisy Duke. I had got the compliment on the legs and all, oh, your thighs. I, look here. Uh-uh. I gave the devil back all his foolishness. Because God made me who I am. And I was satisfied with me. But only when I came to him. Yeah, only when I was in him. When I got in him, I was satisfied with me. I didn't need makeup, lashes, nails. I didn't need any of the foolishness. I, I never had to consider getting shots in my jaw so that you wouldn't see the wrinkles. Shots in my breasts because I felt like they was too small. He proportioned me. He gave me everything I needed. And it was for me to live. It wasn't for me to have it to draw me in or to get compliments. He blessed me to be in him and to learn. Yeah. To take my yoke upon him and learn of him. From his yoke was easy and his burden was light. Come unto me, all that are burdened and heavy laden. I give you rest. I went to him. I was burdened and heavy laden. I was losing my mind. Nothing the natural could do for me. Only spiritual could help me. And God did that for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, he did it for me. Now I have a sound mind. I don't have to look around and say, well, I wonder what they're going to think about this wig. I don't wear wigs. Because <laughs> I'm trying to dress to impress. But once I got in him, I didn't. I no longer had to do that. Beyond nail polish, I wore gold slippers all the time, different kinds mixed with different colors of the outfit because I'm attracting something. You see, for me, gold represented 
royalty, finances, all kind of foolishness. But God brought me out of it. Oh, and I'm glad, so glad he did. Yeah. And Lewis said we were so silly, especially doing those disco days. Yeah. Oh, but he brought me out early. Hallelujah. I no longer had to go to the French Quarter. Foolishness. I no longer had to go in the club and the bouncers know me. And the bouncers set the table up. Not the waitress, but the bouncers. I was in the VIP section. Foolishness, foolishness, nonsense. All it said was you on your way to hell with the quickness. That's all that said. Yeah. But I thank God this morning. He brought me out. I no longer again this morning have to sit on the porch in the cool of the evening and drink Budweiser. <laughs> I no longer have to talk on weed. Smoke weed and then wash it down with some kind of wine. Sweet wine. I'm in the house tripping. Foolishness. Messing myself up. It affects your memory. Oh, my goodness. He brought me out. I could sleep alone by myself at night. I didn't have to have a man sleeping with me no more. Why? New creature in Christ. He brought me out. Old things passed away. And behold, all things become new. When it came to fornicating, after I was in him and he was in me, the word come up, let not fornication be once named among you. The scripture come up, have your own husband. It's better to marry than to burn sexually and in hell. <laughs> oh, he fixed it for me. There was no preacher there teaching me. There was no preacher in my house except me and my children. That he called and they haven't accepted, they had not accepted their calling yet. It was only me and God. And he fixed me. It didn't make me perfect. It, 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 it did not make me better than anyone else. It just simply made Barbara blessed, beyond blessed, more than miracle working power that God worked so that I could be in a place with him so that I could be free because he sent his son and the son set me free and I could stay free if I chose to stay free. I didn't have to keep running back to the world getting doses and then going to church or wherever thinking I'm with God. Like this baby here said, she backslid. But she didn't feel that thing no more. See, one thing about it, if you truly have met Jesus, you will never be the same. And she said the same thing. I couldn't help but agree with her. Amen, baby. If you truly meet Jesus, you will no longer be the same. Those old things that you wanted, Dr. Goodman, you would no longer desire those things. You cut them loose. You let them go because they're not helping you. You want what inspires you spiritually. You want what encourages you spiritually. I can see myself walking down 44th Street, 41st Street, 
I could see it right now, Birmingham, Alabama. I could see myself walking down the street with gold and black on. The the spandex pants that they wear now, I would wear those spandex pants and a big T-shirt, and the T-shirt had all kind of gadgets and gadgets on it. And the gold and black shoes were more gold and black on the shoes. I got the Janet Jackson waterfall hairdo. The ladies know what I'm talking about. And the big bangle earring. And I'm walking down 41st Street. And I could see myself. I could see the cars going by and blowing. I could see the men hollering out the window. Yeah, all of this going down 41st Street. When he come in, it was no longer that. Uh-uh. He would bless me to go buy decent clothes. <laughs> clothes that it didn't pull the attention of a man. But I was well-dressed, clean, smelling nice, hair neat, and going on about my business. Oh, yeah, in Jesus. Oh, I can tell you some stuff. But he made a way. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for bringing me out. I was no longer a slave to sin. I became a child of God. Hallelujah. Oof, what a mighty God. Listen, this morning we're going back to Exodus. And uh, I'm looking at Exodus 29 and verse 46. That's that last verse. And this is what God said. And they will see that I am the Lord their God who took them out of the land of Egypt so that I might be ever with them. I am the Lord their God. See, because he, again this morning, he want to dwell with us. He want to be among us. And so he reminds us sometimes of where he brought us from. See, I was back there living in sin. And doing what I thought I wanted to do. But he had blessed me over 30 years. He had blessed me with eight biological children. And blessed me to teach them manners and how to treat adults and how to behave in school and all of these things. And that God was real. And we went to Bible study to study the Bible with the pastor so that we would know the word and how to apply it to our life. Now, this is what I knew, but it didn't mean during those days I was living because I hadn't fully received God. I, I hadn't accepted him. I hadn't gotten into him. I had a form of godliness, and I was denying the power thereof. I could honor God with my lips, but my heart was far from me. Oh, somebody don't hear today. But he would remind me. And he reminds me sometime now, Barbara, I'm the Lord your God. <laughs> I brought you out the dope cellar. Hey, glory. Hallelujah. I brought you out the home. I brought you out of smoking weed and drinking and acting a fool, clubbing and doing anything you big, lying, cheating, stiff. I brought you out so that I might be ever with you. I'm the Lord your God. And we ought to seek this right here, 46, and go back and remember where God brought us from, how he brought us, when did he bring you, 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, I got a quick request to go to and um, because I'm late on some things, but we're going to this one. And uh, when we come back, we're going over to Exodus chapter 30. Yeah. And it's going to be all right now. It's already all right in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lord, I need a miracle. Lord, I need a miracle. Stretch it, Lord. I need a miracle. Need a miracle. Say it for me. Miracle, miracle. Right now. Lord, we need revival.
decree and declare. Dr. G.K. Craig used to say, when I was a young man, if you hold out and hang in there, I got a feeling in the midst of everything you're going through, that everything, help is on the way. Burned by Aaron every morning when he sees to the light. 
And every evening when he puts the lights up in their places, the spices are to be burned. A sweet-smelling smoke going up before the Lord from generation to generations forever. Verse 9 says, no strange perfume, no burned offering or meal offering, and no drink offering is to be offered only. You, you, you know one thing about God, he gives specific instructions. Specific, direct, to the point. You, you can't get off course with it. Because it, it, it's plain and it's simple and it's direct. Yeah. He said, and no strange perfume, no burn offering or meal offering, and no drink offering is to be offered on this particular altar that they make it. On, on this particular. Yeah. Hallelujah. Tim says, and once every year, Aaron is to make his horns clean. With the blood of the sin offering, he is to make it clean once every year from generation to generation. It is most holy to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, verse 11, verse 12 says, when you are taking, this is what he said to Moses, when you are taking the number of children of Israel, that every man who is numbered give to the Lord a price for his life so that no disease may come on them when they are numbered. 13 says, and this is what they are to give, that every man who is numbered give half a shekel by the scale of the holy place, the shekel being valued at 20 jiras. This money is an offering to the Lord. Oh, look at this. Do we give some money to the Lord? Do we give some real money to God? Mm-mm-mm. Do we sacrifice unto the Lord? 14 says, everyone who is numbered from 20 years old and over is to give an offering to the Lord. The man of wealth is to give no more and the poor man no less than a half shekel of silver when the offering is made to the Lord at the price for your life. I'm going to keep you living. I'm going to keep diseases off you. I'm going to keep famine out the land. Your, your livestock, your, which is your cattle and, and, and sheep, and they're going to be the best. Nothing going to happen to them. I'm going to take good care of you. Bring me that money offer. Bring me that silver, that half a shekel of silver. Offer it to me. I love you. See, in this world, nothing is free. They told me salvation was, but I found out it wasn't. Jesus paid an awesome price for that. Somebody paid for my salvation. Nothing is free. 16 says, and you are to take this money from the children of Israel to be used for the work of the tent, a meeting to keep the memory of the children of Israel before the Lord and and be the price of their lives. Look at this. And the Lord said to Moses, you are to make a brass washing vessel with a brass base and put it between the tent of the meeting 
and the altar with water in it, that it may be used by Aaron and his sons for washing their hands and feet. 20 says, whenever they go into the tent of meeting, they are to be washed with water to keep them from death. And whenever they come near to do the work of the altar or to make an offering by fire to the Lord. You see that? You had to be careful going into God, the priest. You didn't go any kind of way, wash your hands, wash your feet. You had to have a certain outfit on to go. And it had to be designed a certain way. God did it. Hallelujah. Their hands and feet are to be washed so that they may be safe from death. This is an order to them forever. Ooh, to him and his seed from generation to generation. And the Lord said to Moses, take the best spices, 500 sheep of weight of liquid myrrh, and of sweet cinnamon half as much, that is, 250 sheepers and 250 sheepers of sweet calamus. 24 says, and of cassia, 500 sheepers, weight measured by the scale of the holy place, and of olive oil, in he, in olive oil a hen. And make these into a holy oil, a perfume made by the art of the perfume maker. It is to be a holy oil. If you notice, God always sent them to the professionals, the one that uh, specialized in certain things. Now, this is the perfume maker. He specialized in perfumes and oils and, yeah, that kind of thing. Hallelujah. This oil is to be put on the tent of meeting and on the ark of the law and on the table and all its vessels and on the support for the lights with its vessels and on the altar for burning spices. 28 says, and on the altar of burnt offerings with its vessels and on the washing vessel and its base. Look at this. And you are to make them most holy. Anything touching them will become holy. I want it to be there where I could touch it. <laughs> so I could become holy. Hallelujah. 30 says, and put the oil on Aaron and his sons, making them holy to do the work of the priest for me. And say to the children of Israel, this is to be the Lord's holy oil from generation to generation. It is not to be used for man's flesh, and no other is to be made like it. Holy it is, and you are to keep it holy. Don't use this on, on, on people. It's not used for your flesh, the natural thing. And no other is to be made like it. Don't make no other oil like this oil. Holy it is, and you ought to keep it holy. Let nobody touch all over it and be all over, olive oil all on the offering table, all at the bottom of the pulpit. No, put it, put it in a safe place and keep it holy. Keep praying over it. Yeah, don't, don't, don't just mess all around. Yeah, 33 says, whoever makes any like it or put it on one who is not a priest will be cut off from his people. Did you hear that? God didn't play back then either now. 
He looked at the sin of man and he winked. But back then, he told you what not to do. Told Moses what to tell you so you didn't die. You didn't get yourself in trouble. Did the kind of diseases God could send, boils and, oh, no, that's not what we was looking for. One boil is plenty trouble. So just think if you get 40 boils all over your body in different places. Oh, that's uncomfortable. That's like just let me die. <laughs> yes, because that is something serious. God did not play back then. He said what he meant back then, and he meant what he said, and you often hear, hear generation to generation. 34, and the Lord said to Moses, take sweet smites, spices, I'm sorry, spice, and oncha, oncha, and galbanum with the best, frankincense, in equal weights. Yeah, y'all know I have a, a problem pronouncing them words. Don't, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Thirty-five says, and make from them a perfume such as made by the art of the perfume maker, mixed with salt and clean and holy. Now this is another one he given, and put some of it crushed very small in front of the ark in the tent of meeting, where I will come face to face with you. It is to be most holy. You are not to make any perfume like it for yourself. It is to be kept holy to the Lord. Whoever makes any like it for his sweet snare will be cut off from his people. God has certain things he put in place. Yeah, for himself. And we, we, we want to trample all over, trample all over, kick it, whatever. And the day, see, back then he winked when we sinned, but today he commands everybody to repentance. And we need to go back to the old path and take a look around as often as possible so that we can stay on the straight and narrow with Almighty God. But we're doing some stuff out here that we shouldn't be doing. But how would we know we shouldn't be doing it if it's never been explained to us? If we've never been in that part of the book and under, you know, understand what it says? So we're just doing what we want to do. Just, just, just dap me in the head with the olive oil. I don't care where it's been. Y'all prayed over it, didn't you? I'm just telling how people are. <laughs> Y'all prayed over that olive oil. If it, it's thrown on the floor, it's all right. Get it up and dap me with it and let me fall out on the floor or whatever they do. Yeah. But things ought to be kept in perspective, in the right perspective, according to God, according to what he gave and what he said. Hallelujah. We're moving on over to verse, to chapter 31 and verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, I have made selection of Bezalel, the son of Uriah, by name, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have given him the spirit of God and made him wise and full of knowledge and expert in every sort of hand. Yeah. Now, the tribe of Judah, I've got to go back and take a look. 
I can't remember everything at one time. Yeah, I knew about the tribe of Levites, but I'm going back and look. And I have given him the spirit of God and made him wise and full of knowledge and expert in every sort of handwork. Lord, give me your spirit. Make me wise and full of knowledge and an expert at talking of your wondrous works and making known your deeds among the people. In the name of Jesus. Yeah. To do all sorts of delicate work in gold and silver and brass. Verse 5 says, in cutting stones for framing and to do every form of woodwork. God gave this to him. Yeah. And I have made selection of Oholab with him, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all who are wise, I have put the knowledge to make whatever I have given you orders to have made. He put his spirit in the perfume people, uh, the, the, the carpenter, the stone cutter, the, the linen people, he, the cloth people. He put his spirit in them so that they could build and do what he wanted in the way that he wanted it. And that's what we should pray for the day. Lord, put your spirit in me and give me knowledge and wisdom of how to please you in the things that you want me to do. What is it, Lord, you would have me to do? What is my calling? What did you choose me for? Before I entered my mother's womb, you had a purpose and a plan for me. And Lord, I need you to help me today. Man ought to always pray and not faint. Pray without ceasing. See, if you pray the right prayers, you won't faint. You won't fall away from God. You won't go backwards instead of coming forward. You won't run back to the world. You won't run back to the enemy. But these are great prayers to pray. The wisdom of God. <laughs> he put his spirit in us. Hallelujah. It didn't just start with Jesus. We get to see this now. It didn't just start on the day of Pentecost. We get to see this right here. Yeah. So, verse 7 says, The tent of meetings and the ark of the law and the cover which is on it and all the things for the tent. And the table with its vessels and the holy light support with all its vessels and the altar for the burning of spices and the altar of burning offerings with all its vessels and the washing vessels with its base and the robes of needlework, the, the holy robes for Aaron and for his sons for their use when acting as priests. And the holy oil and perfume of sweet spices for the holy place. They would do whatever I have given you orders to have done. And the Lord said to Moses, say to the children of Israel that they are to keep my Sabbath. For the Sabbath day is a sign between me and you through all your generations. So that you may see that I am the Lord who makes you holy. You always explain things. 
Because he said, in all of your getting, get understanding. So he always explaining things. He go back over it. He go back over it. Yeah, that's God. 15 says, six days may work be done. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of complete rest. Holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. My goodness. 16, and the children of Israel are to keep the Sabbath holy from generation to generation, generation by an eternal agreement. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever, because in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he took his rest and had pleasure in it. And when his talk with Moses on Mount Sinai was ended. He gave him the two stones of the law, two stones on which was the writing made by the finger of God. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? God wrote it with his finger. Ooh, I bet it was awesome. Just to look at it, you know, I, 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 I just couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine. Let's see how many down here, if we can get through this one today, too. I think we can. All right, let's look at uh, Exodus chapter 32 at verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses was a long time coming down from the mountain. Now, remember, I always ask you to remember, oh, if God said it, we're going to do it. And he sent the man to God. We're going to obey what the man to God said and God said. Uh huh. And when the people saw that Moses was a long time coming down from the mountain, they all came to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a God to go before us. As for this Moses, who took us up out of the land of Egypt, we have no idea what has become of him. Remember, no patience. And I, I hate to say it, but I promise it sound like black people. I'm not joking with you because I know them. I know black people personally. I know the ways of African Americans. I'm not saying other people are not that way. Yeah, but, but I, I know these people personally. Say so we have no idea what has become of him. <laughs> God done come down and spoke and told them some things, and they, they can't hear all of that. And we like that today. All of this right here, we, we're not hearing all of this, Lord. We got 2023 cars. We, the old path. Now, I'm on that new path, and I, I like it, and I'm going to stay on it. That's what many people tell God. I'm going back to the old path and look around, but that's what he said to do. Yeah. So look, verse 2, then Aaron said to them, take off the gold rings, which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters, and give them to me. Look at Aaron. Would you please look at Aaron? The one God put with Moses. <laughs> well, I tell you, I can see it today. Y'all take them rings out your ears. Give them them ear rings. Go on and give them to me. 
And all the people took the gold ring from their ears and gave them the earring. And he took the gold from them and hammering it with an instrument, he made it into the metal image of a young ox. And they said, this is our God, O Israel, who took you out of the land of Egypt. Are they crazy? <laughs> but that's some kind that need to touch something. They need to see something. They need tangible. They need to feel something. And a lot of us are like that today. If I can't feel it, I can't touch it, I can't see it, uh-uh. When I was using my mouth to prophesy, as they call it, boy, people loved me. Here they come. I prayed to pray out faith and asked God to cut it off. Let them come for the word and not a word. A word lasts for a season. But the word throughout eternity. But that's these kind of people. They need something tangible. Do they lose faith? They can't just stand in faith all the time, trusting and believing God, having the patience to wait on him. They got to have something else. After he told them, uh, uh, hey, baby, you're going to get the house on the hill with the dog named Fluffy. I know you went to the mortgage company over on the north side, but this time God's sending you to the west side and you're going to use that mortgage company right there, and they are going to approve you for the house. Boy, they leaping and jumping. Everybody, they see God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Now, they want to furnish the house, and they don't went to him for the furniture. So everywhere they hear there's a profit of property, they running over there with a, a few dollars. If they get in the hundred dollar line, boy, they run up there for the hundred dollar line. Cause they want furniture. They want to hear from God. Instead of getting on your knees, hearing from him that way. Instead of going to the word of God and let the word do the work for you. They got to chase down somebody who can tell them something that they need to know what's going on right now. Don't have the faith and patience. Don't 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 know how to trust God. But they up in them buildings every Sunday with the three-piece suit on, with the matching shoes, singing loud in the choir stand. They ushering in their colors at the back door. The pastor get up and, oh, my goodness. But that's these kind of people. God came and spoke. God came and spoke. They couldn't handle it. They got to have tangible. We need a man to lead us. That's why he sent the preacher. We got to hear. He said, how can you hear without a preacher? And how can he preach except he's been sent? God did it because he know what you need. You can't go from Sunday to Sunday on your own. And keep going from Sunday to Sunday on your own. Oh, no, I got to go to church. I got to go up in that building. Verse, verse 5 says, And when Aaron saw this, he made an altar before it and made a public announcement. Look at this. 
Look what the people saying first and foremost. This is our, this is your God, O Israel, who took you out of the land of Egypt. Or was it Aaron saying it? Verse 5 says, and when Aaron saw this, he made an altar before it and made a public announcement, saying, tomorrow there will be a feast to the Lord, to this cow, to this ox. That's what he's getting ready to do. Verse 6 says, so early on the day after, they got up and made burnt offerings and peace offerings and took their feet at the feast and then gave themselves to pleasure. Oh, they celebrated an ox who did not bring them out of Egypt from under Pharaoh. And the Lord said to Moses, go down quickly to God's house. You know, his eyes in every place. He could be talking to me, but he over there working it out for you. Go go down quickly, for your people whom you took out of the land of Egypt are turned to evil ways. Oh, I know it was just, I know it was, oh boy. I done heard you cry. You was on the job just a crying all in the bathroom, you know. Lord, I, I'm tired of this, God. Lord, when? When you going to change it, Lord? I've done all I could here, God. The, the, the more I do, the worse they get, Lord. The more I do, the worse they get. Lord, when, when? When are you going to bring me out? Listen. Even now they are turned away from the rule I gave them and have made themselves a metal ox and given worship to it and offering, saying, This is your God, O Israel, who took you up out of the land of Egypt. Didn't I tell you God either in every place he's beholding the evil and the good? Oh, yeah. Ever made it public? I couldn't imagine. Verse 9 says this, And the Lord said to Moses, I have been watching this people. And I see that they are a stiff-necked people. Lord, don't say it about me. Help me, Lord, to obey you to the letter. Father, help me that I'm not a stiff-necked person. But God, I follow your rules. I obey your word. And Lord, don't let me do anything against what you said on purpose. Because I want to. I desire to. Because I want to let my flesh rule and reign. Help today, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And the Lord said to Moses, I have been watching this people, and I see that they are stiff-necked people. No matter what he does, they go back to the things of the natural, the flesh. Look what God did for them. Pharaoh over there making them find their own straw to make him breaking things. They cried to the Lord. He heard they cry. He punished Pharaoh real good and brought him out and then let him drown in the Red Sea. They was over there crying for water, bread, meat. He did all of that for them. And it pleased God. To show love to his people. It pleases him to love us. It pleases him to help us. 
but he wants us to be a holy people. He wants us to be a righteous people. He made us in his image. He wants us to do good in the land, but we're stiff-necked people. Before we straight up do it, we'll add to it. We'll try to find scriptures to co-sign the foolishness that we're doing. And God been straight up with us. 10 says, verse 10 of, of Exodus 32. Now do not get in my way. <laughs> For my wrath is burning against them. I will send destruction on them. But of you, I will make a great nation. They don't run God hot over there. Watch out the land of Egypt. Look what all I did. I spoke to you out the cloud and things. And this is what you talking about. A golden ox brought you out of Egypt from under Pharaoh's slavery. When you got to the Red Sea, I opened the sea and let you run across on dry land. But this is what you got for me. Moses, don't get in my way. <laughs> but my wrath is burning against them. I will send destruction on them. But of you, I'll make a great nation. Verse 11 says, but Moses made prayer to God, saying, Lord, why is your wrath burning against your people whom you took out of the land of Egypt with great power and with the strength of your hand? Why let the Egyptians say he took them out of an evil faith? to put them to death on the mountain, cutting them off from the earth. Let your wrath be turned away from them and send not this evil on your people. Look what Moses prayed. 13, have in mind Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your servants to whom you gave your oath, saying, I will make you seed like the stars of heaven in number, and all this land will I give to your seed, as I said, to be their heritage forever. Boy, Moses had to go up there and remind God, <laughs> remind him of his word. Lord, you, you, you said you were going to hook Abraham, Isaac, and, and, and Jacob up. And, and Lord, you said you, you were going to make a seed like the sands of the, of the sea. God, you, you, you made some promises. And you got a promise breaking God. Because God was hot. You hear me? And I would have been too. But, they, you know, under my thumb, they, when they were out there uh, talking about why you brought us out of Egypt to the sea to kill us, wasn't it enough graveyards in Egypt? I'd have killed them right then. I'd have just set them on fire right there. That's why God don't let us control things like this. We have to pray our way through. Yeah. <laughs> so look, <laughs> 14 says, so the Lord let himself be turned from this purpose of sending punishment on his people. God will turn your punishment away. He will. He's a kind, gracious, merciful, and loving God. And his intention is not to destroy man, but to destroy evil. Yeah. Who was it, Hezekiah, that turned his uh, uh, face to the wall and prayed, and he got another 15 years? Because he was supposed to be about it here. When we find out and figure out What's right? We need to run to God and make some promises to him that we're going to stay with. Lord, we're not going to do that no more. But they then said it two or three, four times that they was going to honor what God said. 
But they done went to the weak one, Aaron, tell me, give me some, uh, give us a God. We don't have no idea what happened to this Moses, your brother. He giving him earrings. Oh, my goodness. And verse 15 says, then Moses came down the mountain with the two stones of the law in his hand. The stones had writing on their two sides, on the front and on the back. If I'm not mistaken, they call these the Ten Commandments. I could be mistaken and too early, but let's keep going. The stones were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, cut on the stone. I got to read that again. The stones were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, cut on the stone. Now, when the noise and the voices of the people came to the ears of Joshua, he said to Moses, there's a noise of war in the tent. And Moses said, it is not the voice of men who are overcoming in fight, in the fight, or the cry of those who have overcome. It is the sound of songs which comes to my ear. Yeah, they ain't rejoicing over they don't want no victory in war. They over there worshiping that golden ox. <laughs> yeah. And when, when he came near the tent, he saw the image of the ox and the people dancing. And in his wrath, Moses let the stones go from his hand, and they were broken at the foot of the mountain. Moses was in shock. I know he got hot too. 20 says, and he took the ox which they had, which they had made, burned it in the fire and crushing it to the powder. And he put it in the water and made the children of Israel take a drink of it. Boy, look at here. And Moses said to Aaron, what did the people do to you? That you let this great sin come on them. Yeah, I'm going to set them on fire, Thelma. Yeah, I'm going to burn them right there. And Aaron, 22, and Aaron said, let not my Lord be angry. You have seen how the purposes of this people are evil. Now he want to come out, you see the people evil. You the one recommended the gold, and the gold. give me the earrings out your ear. Or if this don't remind me of the African Americans I pay for. <laughs> Y'all forgive me. 23 says, but they said to me, look, here you go. Look now. He's going to blame the people. He's not going to, do you think he'll take his own responsibility for what he did? Made it public. He out there telling the people, this is your God that brought you out of Egypt from under Pharaoh, in other words. Uh-uh. But they said to me, make us a God to go before us. As for this Moses who took us up out of the land of Egypt, we have no idea what has, has come of him, has come to him. Bye. Then I said to them, whoever has any gold, let him take it off. So they gave it to me, and I put it in the fire, and this image of an ox came out. Really, really ever. Yeah. Going to blame the people. When you've been with Moses, God used you as a mouthpiece. God was blessing your family. 
you done forgot all about that. It's what the people say. And you got a lot of pastors doing the same thing. A lot of churches of this way. What the people want. God said, get the entertainment out of my house. My word should entertain me. The songs that you sing unto me in praise and worship from your heart, that's what should entertain you, sort of cause you to praise me. But no, that's not good enough. You got to bring more entertainment up in my house. 25 says, and Moses saw that the people were out of control. For Aaron had let them loose to their shame before their haters. Yeah, Egypt looking too. Egypt hearing about some stuff going on. Then Moses took his place at the way into the tent and said, Whoever's on the Lord's side, let him come to me. And all the sons of Levi came together to him. That's them priests. Yeah, them other, them, them, them other people out there too, Amalekites and all them other people around, they, they know they're out there in the wilderness. They don't want that food with them because they got a God who have all power. 27 says, and he said to them, this is the word of the Lord, the God of Israel. Let every man take his sword at his side and go from one end of the tents to the other, putting to death his brother and his friend, and his neighbor. My goodness. And the sons of Levi did as Moses said, and about 3,000 of the people were put to death that day. Yeah, but some of them get deep. 29, and Moses said, you have made yourselves priests to the Lord this day, for every one of you has made the offering of his son and his brother the blessings of the Lord is on you this day. And on the day after, Moses said to the people, great has been your sin, but I will go up to the Lord and see if I may get forgiveness for your sin. Then Moses went back to the Lord and said, his people has done a great sin, making themselves a God of gold. But now if you will give them forgiveness, but if not, let my name be taken out of your book. Wait a minute now, Moses. Wait a minute now. Moses getting grand. Moses acting brand new. He's showing out too. So I take my name out the book. Are you kidding me, Moses? You gon' you gon' okay. Third verse thirty-four. <laughs> but now go take the people to that place of which I have given you word. See, my angels will go before you. But when the time of my judging has come, I will send punishment on them for their sin. Oh, I'm not going to forget this, Moses. I know you want me to forgive them and, and let it ride, but not. And then you up there talking about taking, if you, if I, take your name out the book. That's the part I can say. I can't say that others. Take your name out the book, Moses. 35 says, and the Lord sent punishment on the people because they gave worship to the ox which Aaron made. It's 9 o'clock, y'all, 904. I, I, I don't know if I could get through the next one. But I should try. I, I really should because I, I, I'm telling you, uh, uh, Moses just done... Mm -hmm. 
Moses just messed up in my book now. I don't know about it, nobody else. Uh-uh, excuse me. Nobody else book I touched the wrong thing until I excuse it like y'all saw it. Oh, we, oh, we. Let's look a little further. And the Lord said to Moses, go forward from this place, you and the people who you have taken up out of the land of Egypt. Let's see how far it is down here. I think it's way down there. Uh, not too far, not too far. All right, let's try it. Let's try it. Let's try it. Let's see if we can go a little further. Exodus 33, chapter 1. And the Lord said to Moses, go forward from this place, you and the people whom you have taken up out of the land of Egypt, to that land which I made an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your seed, I will give it. See, he reminded God of what he said, and God honor his word. He's not a lying God. Verse 2 says, and I will send an angel before you driving out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Pezzazite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. He's going to send them out of there. Because all these people looking. Remember when he said about haters? Yeah, all these people that hate Israel. Israel got an awesome God. Forgiving, kind, loving, merciful, understanding, looking beyond the kind you can cast your cares upon for he cares for you. They, they don't like that. They don't have that kind of God. Go up to that land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, for you are stiff-necked people, for fear that I send destruction on you while you are on, your, on the way. Do you see that? All he done gave them the beer for him because he told them, I want to be among you, my people. He loved the people. He loved his creation. He wanted to be among them, but he couldn't. They would not allow it. They will make a, a, a golden calf, a golden cow, and say, this is the God that brought us up out of Egypt, knowing it was a lie. Now God said, go ahead. I'm going to send the angels to lead you the rest of the way. I'm not going to lead you. Because I'm afraid before you get there, because you're still there, people, before you get there, I might destroy you while you're on your way to the land which flows with milk and honey, to the place I promised your forefathers. First, Forces, hearing this bad news, the people were full of grief, and no one put on his armament. Yeah, yeah, you said now. Nah. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are stiff necked people. If I come among you even for a minute, I will send destruction on you. So take off all your armament so that I may see what to do with you. Ooh, I would have been trembling in my boots, I would have been shaking. What? He tell me even for a minute. Oh Lord. <laughs> Ooh we. Lord, give me another chance. But I would have been scared to say something, you understand? Don't look at me, Lord. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Might remind you of your wrath. Yeah. Six says. So the children of Israel took off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. And did not put them on again. Now, it it was Moses' way 
to put up the tent of meeting outside the tent circle at some distance away, given in the name of the tent of meeting. And anyone desiring to make his prayer to the Lord went to the tent of meeting outside the tent circle. And whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people got up and everyone went to the door of his tent, looking after Moses till he went inside the tent. And whenever Moses went into the tent, the pillar of the cloud came down and took his place by the door of the tent, as long as the Lord was talking with Moses. And all the people saw the cloud at the door of the tent, and they went down on their faces, everyone at the door of his tent. And the Lord had talked with Moses face to face, as a man may have talked with his friend. Oh, Lord. And when Moses came back to the tent, his servant, the young man Joshua, the son of Nun, did not come away from the tent. Verse 12, and Moses said to the Lord, see, you may see you say to me, be this people's God on their journey, but you have not made clear to me whom you will send with me, but you have said I have knowledge of you by name and you have grace in my eyes. Oh, have mercy on us today, God. If then I have grace in your eyes, let me see your ways so that I may have knowledge of you and be certain of your grace. And my prayer is that you will keep in mind that this nation is your people. And he said, I myself will go with you and give you rest. And Moses said, if you yourself are not going with us, do not send us on from here. But it's not the fact of your going with us the sign that I and this people have grace in your eyes so that we, that is, I and your people are separate from all other people on the face of the earth. You see that? God love Israel. Took good care of them. They crying. He heard the cry. He come to see and what he saw, he didn't like. He did something about it. But that's like us today, many. God bless us and we turn around and do him dirty. He forgives us and we go right back. If we didn't do that, we did worse. But he remembered his word for us. And he know without him, we can do nothing. But there come a t- comes a time when we got to stand up in God. And let God stand up in us. Oh, yeah. 17 says, and the Lord said to Moses, I will do as you say, for you have grace in my eyes, and I have knowledge of you by your name. And Moses said, oh, Lord, let me see your glory. And he said, I will make all the light of my being come before you. and will make clear to you what I am. I will be kind to those to whom I will be kind and have mercy on those on whom I have mercy. Yeah. See, because he knows the intent of the heart. But it is not possible for you to see my face, for no man may see me and still go on living. And the Lord, but see, he was trying to get there. He, he, he was trying to get in his house. And y'all, and, and I'm going to deal with you face to face. But now, 
You didn't have no idea what happened to Moses. So you go to Aaron and make us a God. You didn't have to make no God when you was in Egypt, coming out of Egypt. When you walked through that Red Sea, did you have to make a God? That's why we need to get rid of all the voodoo and witchcraft and the, 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 the whatnots and the, the, the statues and all that in the house. Throw that foolishness in the garbage. It's the God that made the heavens and the earth that has taken care of you. Ain't no statue did nothing for you. A statue is dead. What are you going to do? Evil. You don't want that doing for you. You don't want to deal with the workers of evil. And you don't want to become evil by doing the work that the evil teach you to do. Uh-uh. Let's go to God with our whole heart. Clean, holy, separated. So look. But it is not possible for you to see my face. No man may see me and still go on living. 21 says, and the Lord says, see there is a place near me. And you may take your place on the rock. And when my glory goes by, I will put you in a hole in the rock, covering you with my hand till I have gone past. Isn't that something? Oh, my goodness. Look at this. 23 says, then I will take away my hand and you will see my back. But my face is not to be seen. Too bright. Too bright. Moses, you couldn't handle all of that. I hate we got right here. You cannot handle all of that. That's too much. But that is a beautiful thing. I'm going to hide you in a hole in the rock, covering you with my hand till I have gone past. Oh, I like that 22 right there. I like that right there. Amen goes right there. I like it when God shows that he can deal with us. Uh, 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 you can touch him. You can see him. I, you can't see him face to face, but you yet can see him. You can feel his presence. When the sun come out, I see God. When the moon come out, I see God. As I'm driving down the road and the cars stand where they're supposed to stay, I see God. He's yet in control of the earth. For the earth is his, remember, the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. Do we really believe that this morning? Do we really believe there's nothing too hard for God? That, that's what Abraham said. And he called Abraham friend. Because Abraham learned to obey God to the last letter. We all done went through some trials. But we had to learn to obey God to the last letter. I look at David. He made many mistakes. He messed up big time. Murder. Hands bloody. Couldn't build a house of God. They would kill you. Get in the war and work it out. I believe he was a swordsman in my book. But David got to learn through all he did wrong. David learned 
Uh-huh. That is God. He learned that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Yes. David learned. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come, come, come over here with me. Let's worship God together. And the word said that God called David a man after his own heart. God trying to show us something in Exodus. That we can be men and women after his own heart. We may have made some mistakes. We may have messed up. But he's yet God with all power. Jehovah with all power. There's no higher power. And if we'll come unto him because we're burdened and heavy laden, he's going to give us rest. He Look, he even said this, come, let us reason together. Come, let's talk. Come and tell me what it is that you can't turn loose. Come and tell me uh, you want me to show you this or show you that. What is it you want to ask me? Come. We're going to reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I'll wash you white as snow. But a believer can sit here. I'll make your enemies your footstool. But do we believe all of this? Or are we walking around like the world, like, like they did here? We don't know what happened to that Moses. <laughs> we don't have no idea where he at. <laughs> Aaron, we need a God. Well, give me them earrings. <laughs> I'm going to melt them down. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And we do the same thing. Back in the day, I used to say, if I was back there with Noah, it wouldn't have rained on me. I'd have been on that ark. God said, well, I'm here right now. Look what you're doing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Noah was on the ark, but I'm right here in your presence, and uh, what you doing? Huh? Yeah. So I many days I had to repent for that. Talking against Moses and David and, and Abraham and those. And you did that or worse. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're grateful to Almighty God for his word this morning. But his word is a lamp unto our feet, and it's a light unto our path. And forever, oh God, look at her. Let's go. Okay, then. That word is settled in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Thelma. <laughs> ah, thank you so much. God bless you this morning. So, look, we're going to one more song request of the morning, and when we come back, we're coming back uh, with testimonies, and uh, if we could keep them brief this morning, I would appreciate it, because if there's others want to get in on this, as, as they used to say in the streets, I call it, this good Godfather deal, then I, you know, we need to be brief so somebody else can get in, but please feel free this morning, press that number one, and come and say something about the goodness of God. You ain't got to tell your business. You ain't got to tell that uh, in 2021 I did this. You ain't got to tell all that. Just come and say, re- repeat his words. The Lord is my shepherd, 
and I shall not want. That's good enough right there. I'm not priming and pumping and pulling on no one to testify whosoever will let them do it. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We are going to our next uh, song of the morning request.
hallelujah, I praise you. That's what I want to do. Nothing else matters. And instead of complaining, I want to praise you. Yeah. And that's what we should be doing, praising God, lifting him up, worshiping him in spirit and in truth from our hearts. Yeah. God is good to us. And let me tell y'all something. Do you know God will bring his word out your mouth? If you've been in the word, you ain't got to do nothing. He'll bring it out your mouth. Now, if he say go in there and study, you better go on in there because he's going to give you something that you didn't know. You're going to add something at a blessed. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. He's going to add a blessing to you. But if you've been in that word and you let that word got down in, you can stand up anywhere. At my great great nephew's funeral, knowing the thing I was up and talking, <laughs> later on, come myself, look at you. He didn't give me the spirit of fear. He didn't give me the spirit of shame. He gave me power, love, and a sound mind. And because I love people, I like to tell people the truth. But they, some people say, oh, no, don't do that over there. She a clown. Yeah, if it's not right. Yeah, I can put you in your place if it's not right where God placed me or where God put me to do things. I'm working on that prayer club. I need y'all to pray with me for the people that's over there so that they don't just come for prayer but that they are praying. And we can touch and agree on some things, but they want to put scripture. It don't say scripture, it says prayer. And I'm like, do they understand? And I'm sure I've done it too. I've done it somewhere. Well, Lord, do they understand? And then they want to put video. I consecrated this room unto the Lord. I prayed for this prayer club, that prayer would come forth, not your foolishness, what you want to show people and all these little dilly-dolly sayings on the little cute look. Not, that, that's not what we do. We pray. And it's got to be from your heart. I don't need you reposting what somebody else said. I need you to come from your own heart because I'm going to show them God going to do something for them. And then they'll see, I ain't got to run to the prophet. I ain't got to kill the pastor. Because every time he takes the pastor, I need prayer. My toenail crack. I used to tell him over there at Wingsville Cathedral, Greater Faith Church, I used to tell him, do not, and I repeat, do not call my bishop talking about you broke your nail. Don't call him with that. He got more pressing things than a, than a fingernail. Go into the nail shop and let him do it on back together. You'll be all right. Uh, uh, cut it off the best you can and bandage it up. Put some neosporin on it and go on about your business. Call him Bishop, come out of nail broke. He used to look at me. <laughs> he would be standing up, you know, behind the rocks in the pulpit, and I'm on the front row, and I stand up and say what I got to say. He would look at me and say, praise the Lord, and sit down in the chair like I done drained him. I done said something so wonderful, it just drained him dry. Oh, it used to be so funny. And the people used to come to me and say, praise the Lord, uh, Barbara Mike, God bless you, baby. Take care of your pastor. 
I said, well, he's not yours. Yeah, he is, but you do a better job. I said, well, we should come together and take care of Bishop. These people will kill him. Do y'all understand that? And this our bishop. We had him first. I, yeah, all of that. He go to Tennessee. We were convoy. Follow this man to Tennessee. Or as you can see, a line of cars and SUVs. Yeah. I used to surprise him. He in Tennessee. I pop up in Tennessee. Yeah. Because I loved it. And I used to love the way God used it. Oh, I used to love it too much. I see a lot of people there, they was there because they loved to, to get a word from the Lord through him or see him prophesy. That was a blessing too. That was a great thing to see the way God used this man. Social security numbers, addresses, place of employment. It was a beautiful thing. But I like that word Bishop used to share. And I used to like the way he break it down for me. And then walk across the walk across uh, in front of the altar. He doesn't come out the pool pit. He on the floor now working it. Yes, Lord, using God. It was just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. No, no, nobody. Uh, I can't say nobody. I, I shouldn't say that. But uh, at that time, I wasn't thinking that people was thinking in the natural while this man preaching <laughs> in the spirit. I, I I didn't have that concept. I had the concept you had to have faith and you believe in what he's saying out of his mouth that God said concerning his word. Oh, it used to be beautiful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad I came up through that. And he taught me love. He taught look, he taught me how to love people. So see when you when when you out there in the world and you in the dope scene, you about that money. You ain't talking about no loving nobody. And when you love money, it's the root of all evil. The people you hang out with, they're going to be all about the dollar bill. Yeah, it is. And if they're not, you got to go. So he taught me how to love. Taught me how to be a giver. Taught me how to be kind. Hallelujah. The studio is open. All right, Minister Sean, I'm coming at you right now. Good morning. God bless you. How are you? Unmute your mic. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And I hope you are too. Yes, yes. Yes. Because we are we are blessed. Um I just wanted to call and just say thank you, Jesus. Thank God for his goodness. Thank him for caring about me, caring about us. And I just want to share this testimony. It's nothing special about me. It just let me know that the Lord is on my side. And I thank you um, for what you said earlier this week about I am his. Because you know I have been struggling with that. So God did use your mouth to, to let me know that. And when I've been facing things this week, he has been giving me um, – been giving me peace, so I'm real thankful for that, um, and I'm thankful to him. But um, I just want to say I was at uh, visiting some friends uh, up in Maryland, and I got to visit their church, and um, there was a gentleman that I knew um, had cancer. However, um, 
you know, when I was sitting there, something inside of me said, go pray for him. I was like, well, that's just me because someone told me that the man had cancer. And so, um, anyways, I said, well, Lord, if that's you, then open up a door so I can go and pray for him. He was um, a few rows ahead of me. And so it was a guest preacher, and so the preacher said, pray for the person beside you. And then he said, now I want you to get out your seat and go pray for somebody else. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I went, and uh, I just started praising God and uh, thanking him and asking Lord to fill him with his spirit. And Sister Barbara, I'm just telling you, it just, I knew it was the Lord. And I just thank him for loving me in spite of, you know, my wrongdoing, my sin, my shortcomings. And thankful that this wonderful, wonderful king, God in the sky, hey. is concerned about me. Millions and billions of people on the earth. And I'm on his mind, Sister Barbara. Thank you, Lord. And I'm grateful and I'm thankful. And I thank God for you. I thank God for your ministry. You've been a blessing to me. And I just thank God for the connection uh, every morning and just to get to hear other people's testimonies and how they strengthen me and encourage me. This is a sunshine in my mornings. And I thank God and I pray he bless this ministry. Just blow it even the more wide open to help others in the name of Jesus. Have a great weekend. God bless you. God bless you, listeners. I love you guys. I love you too, Minister Shonda. And listen to this. We know that the enemy come to kill, steal, and destroy. And because of that, I'm gonna put it to you this way, like he give it to me. You are a chosen vessel. I want you to hear me this moment. Your natural woman and the enemy, they fight you because they don't want you to believe that God is. You're all in all. And that not only did he call you, but he chose you, your chosen vessel. And when you're a chosen vessel, excuse me, many times you got to fight. You 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 always in a battle, yeah, because you chosen, and the enemy don't want you to do what God set out for you to do. And if he can he can convince you that that wasn't God, that's you. He would have it made in the shade. But if you look at it every time God show up, and God show you that was me, that was me. When it, listen, I know you're very intelligent. I know you're very smart. We went to the Korean restaurant together. <laughs> I saw you at work. You, you, and when I began to ask you the things you was telling, I was like, oh, my God. Look at this here, Lord. Yeah, he chose you for a purpose, special purpose. And I see some things tagged to your name. <laughs> Spiritual things tagged to your name. 
Hallelujah. Or should I say your name tagged to the spiritual things, huh? Yeah. You are the true woman of God. Don't you let the enemy and nobody else tell you no difference. You will never hear me talking about Shonda Deshaun. No, 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 no. I respect you in your place because I know. Everybody may not know, but I know. See, it makes a difference when you know. See, if God don't tell you and you don't know, okay, you, you can get away with it. But when you know, you can't go no, no other way. I can see you drunk in the middle of the street, laying down, rolling down the sidewalk. I still got to respect you because I know. Look at David. Look at David. Saul was not playing with him, Minister Shonda. Saul was going to kill David. David went over and cut the robe off to prove to him, I'm not against you. You are God's anointed. I can't come against God's anointed. And every time over and over again, he going to bring you out. Watch what I tell you that. Over, I don't care what come your way. God is going to bring you out. Yeah. He's got all power. All power's on your side. Yeah. Hallelujah. You can lift your hand and tell him thank you. That thing touched me this morning because I know that's God. Hallelujah. Good morning to your uh, sister Irene and good morning to your sister Dr. Goodman. Sister Rita in the house. Good morning, sister Rita. And a good morning to your brother Anthony and my uh, God baby Laura. Good morning, Sugarfoot. Good morning, see y'all. Y'all gonna help me preach this, won't you? <laughs> That's what it remind me. See y'all remind me of. Cause she she be helping me preach the message in the morning. <laughs> Sending me messages. <laughs> this one here, I don't know what I'm gonna do with her. Yeah. And a good morning to your Pastor David. God bless you this morning. God bless you. And a good morning to your sister Jerry. God bless you this morning. I saw you call me Jerry. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah. And a good morning to the main man in the household in that chat room down, brother Louis. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so we just thank God. We just thank God that he's on our side in spite of us. We got the truth. If we don't get nothing else, we got the truth of God. We got his word. And now what we do with it and what we let these other people trick us with, that's on us. But God brings forth the truth. And if you want to know more, you want uh, more understanding, more knowledge, more wisdom, go to him. And say, Lord, we in the book of Exodus, I understood some things, but some things I didn't understand. Lord, give me wisdom on it. He'll do it. Lord, I want to put this together, but I don't know how to put it together. Give me wisdom. He just gave me wisdom how to put a clothes right together. Well, that thing looked so complicated. I called a company. He said he couldn't help me. <laughs> well, I asked the Lord. He showed me what to do. Start with the base bottle. Put the racks between the two the two ends and, and deal. Yeah, it was a simple process, but it looked very complicated to me. But James said, if any man likes wisdom, I believe that's James uh Chapter 1, round verse 5 down in there somewhere. If any man like wisdom, let him ask of God that gives liberally and upbraideth not. Yeah. 
And know what? He he won't pick at you because uh, man is a pitiful creature. He he won't pick at us because we didn't know. He spoke in parables and we didn't understand the past. He won't he won't he won't mess with. You. <laughs> yeah, and it's already all right today in Jesus' name. Listen. I want to make this announcement, and then I'll finish the roll call if, if I can remember now, Mary Ann. But listen, uh, June the 25th, 1923, I mean 2023, I'll say 1923, uh-uh. June the 25th, 2023, at 4 p.m., we'll be in Atlantic Beach, Florida, and uh, we'll be over at 390 Dutton Island Road. And so, come through, come through. It's the little white church on the corner. And uh, unless they built another church over there, I don't think, I think that's the only one down Dutton Island Drive or Dutton Island Road right there on the corner. Y'all come on and, and fellowship with us. We have some other churches coming in, some great musicians. You're going to get to hear some good, good gospel music. Uh, uh, we're praying that the men choir come and, uh, they come, oh, you're going to really enjoy it. They harmonize and all of that kind of thing. Uh, if my pastor is back in town, because he and the first lady, I think he took her on a trip. So if they back in town, the bishop and his wife, then they will come. And uh, it's other churches we've invited, Elder Lawrence from down around Atlantic Beach. So if Jackson, oh, oh and I, 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 Orlando could send me, yeah. So look, we all going to get together, and you t- it's the same church I used every year for years to do the Christmas service. And so Ella Lawrence and I talked yesterday, and this year we're planning on going back December 25th to do the Christmas service. Yeah. Oh, we, oh you're talking about a wonderful time. Oh, we have a wonderful time. But uh, if you can make that fourth Sunday fellowship, come on. Yeah, just come on, and it'll be all right. Yeah. And uh, the church, the money, the offering that stays at that particular church, they help the church make repairs or they may have a drum broke or keyboard or organ broke. We leave the money at the church so that the church can continue to be prosperous and the church can continue to grow. Because Ella Lawrence, he gives out food and, oh, so much bread and this and that, yeah, to the community. And a lot of people need help these days. Yeah. Everything is expensive, especially groceries. Everything. Yeah. Uh, the, the beautician, hairdresser, want to go up on the hairdo. Now, look here. Y'all already expensive. I'm doing my own hair. Save my money. Yeah. I appreciate you. Now, the feet people, I'm down for the call with the feet people. I love pedicures. I do my own nails, but them feet, I need you to get on the feet. Yeah. And so it's all right today in Jesus' name, and we thank God. And y'all forgive me for laughing because some things are just funny to me. Yeah, because I know better. I know better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The wolf is already at the door. So we're preparing to go back with Jesus when he comes. And on Monday, we'll start in Exodus. Oh, it's going to get good, too. I can see. Exodus 34. Chapter 34, 
and uh, maybe you want to read up on it on the weekend, and when I open the studio, you may want to talk about something out of Exodus 34, chapter 34, hallelujah. Is there anyone else? If not, I am going to pray us out. We'll go to the last song of the morning, and we pray the Lord bring us back Monday morning, June the 5th, 2023, 7 a.m., Eastern Standard Time. That's what we're praying for. And so we give God glory. We give him the honor and praise. Hallelujah. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for all that has been said and done here. Thank you for every testimony. Thank you this morning. Thank you that Minister Shonda, God bless her, bless her. Give her more than God. She was willing to come and open her mouth and say something on your behalf. Lord bless Christian. And continue to strengthen her and continue to bring her out, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for what you've done in her. Great and mighty things you've done in Christian. And Father, we give you glory. <clears throat> Excuse me. We give you the honor. And Lord, we give you the praise. As we depart this weekend, Father, bless our going out. Bless our coming in. And Lord, there are many needs in our lives. We, lives, we ask that you would meet every need. And that, God, you would open doors, spiritually, mentally, and physical doors, open for us, touch and heal our hearts and minds. Oh, Father, regulate our minds. Hallelujah. Let us lift you up this weekend like no other weekend. Let us be a great witness unto you. And let us not sit around and wait what you can do for us. But God, stir up the gifts in us. And God, will begin to work unto you. Night is coming, and when night comes, no man can see. Do it for your people right here. In the name of Jesus, every caller, every listener, those coming through the archives, the podcast, however they get in, our brothers and sisters overseas, move in a mighty way this weekend, oh God. In the name of Jesus, we ask it all. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another. In the name of Jesus, go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today. June the, the 2nd, 2023, in Jesus' name. So at this time, I'm going to say bye-bye. Have a blessed day. Have a blessed day. I had my hand on a song. I thought I did, but maybe I did. All right. Uh, let's go with this one.
of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God.
Okay. Let me get in here and finish getting this room organized today. Oh, I forgot to mention the five hundred dollars. Lord, you working on it. I thank you for it, Father. I should have forgot to mention it. 